a short spike of inflation can rebalance everybody's paychecks to a pretty fair level based on what they're doing. Extended bouts of inflation throw the paychecks all out of whack and all the prices out of whack. And there's no way you can just run a normal business without paying attention to the fact that the currency is being devalued every day. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Tell spill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Uh, we are warning you, this actually needs to be at a higher level than our normal disclosures. We are bald. We are bearded. Um, we come to you to speak about things inane, such as money and the economy, if any of those statements cause your triggering to go off, we advise that you change the station immediately. Otherwise, um, if you believe it is uh, incredibly exciting to hear us talk about the Federal Reserve and talking about the beige book as if you understood what that was, then you are on the right spot. Hopefully, we'll even explain what that means. Uh, this is the Personal Wealth Coach. And hopefully we'll make it more interesting than the normal econ babble back and forth of what's going on in the world. Um, we, before we get started, have to tell you the regulatory disclosures, not just the ones about our follically challenged status, our beards, or the fact that we like puns. So the disclosures. Number one, this is the personal wealth coach. And not coincidentally, that's also the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm. Uh, it's not coincidental because the people talking to you on the air here are the principals of that firm. However, just because that firm is registered to give investment advice and it shares the same name because it's the same people and the same founders and all that good stuff. It doesn't mean that we're giving you investment advice on the air because we can't do that. We don't know you guys all, or maybe we do. Maybe we know all one of you. Hi, how are you? Let's have a nice chat. But other people could be listening in to that in the middle of the conversation. So there's all kinds of fiduciary problems here. We can't give investment advice on the air. So we give education, hopefully. Hopefully we educate rather than de-educate, but e either way, uh, there's a camp for that. Uh, we will re-educate. That's what we'll do. Yes. Call us big brother. <clears throat> uh, also, just because the firm is registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC, the governmental agency, has some feeling of favoritism in our general direction. No. Um, they would rather taunt us a second time. <laughs> Uh, if you get my drift. Their, their job is to taunt folks like us into doing the right things, not to say, oh, they're so wonderful. That's not how they work. The government isn't good that way. Unless you've been in the military and you did something that basically you should be dead, and then the government's really fond of you. So are we, by the way. Thank you very much for doing that, whomever you are. Strange example person. That then leads on to uh, your preferred disclosure. Would you like to take that one? Well, let's see. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Though we absolutely warranty and guarantee the incompleteness of all unsaid information. Those may be the only warranties and guarantees you'll ever hear us issue. We guarantee it. Oh, oh I did it again. Dang it. 
Uh, no, that that was facetious. SEC, we are not giving guarantees on the air. I I guarantee it. No, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We do give facetious guarantees. You just did. I guarantee it. Yes. Oh okay. man, I keep doing that. Um. All right. So to explain some of the sound quality issues this week, uh, the studio from which Elder Baldy generally transmits is having its roof replaced. What? What's that you say? The roof. What, oh, what, what, what was that? The, sorry, the dog's barking. I, yeah, yes, the roof was being replaced, and so he couldn't hear himself think if he were there, and you couldn't hear him speak. So instead, he is transmitting digitally from his house. Uh, and if, if there's a little bit of quality issues, believe me, it's all on AT&T there. We're not taking any credit for the quality issues. Our quality is always mediocre. <laughs> All right. Uh, what happened this week in the, in the market? Well, it was, uh, if you're a market geek, it was an interesting week because the S&P 500 stock index, the very flawed but probably best publicly available index we can have to figure out what's going on in the U.S. stock market, bumped up and down quite a bit. Actually, it would have, it would have done very well had it not been for the fact that we had a bunch of good economic news later in the week. I say good because during the any time that the Fed is raising interest rates with the intention of slowing the economy, good news becomes bad news. And we definitely had a uh, deluge of good, bad news or bad, bad, good news, bad, good news, I guess it would be. Uh, during the week, at, at, on Friday particularly. And so the S&P 500 moved up to about 41.34, which, is, which would make for a nice gain for the week until on Thursday, it turned out that the Labor Department reported that employers in the United States hired about half a million people. Which in normal cases would be blazingly good news, but to the market, that's terrifying because the Federal Reserve will see it as bad news for inflation. Yes. And then we had a report come out that unemployment claims for the previous week were unusually low two weeks ago, and they got even more low a week ago, which means the employment factors in the United States are rocking and rolling beautifully. And in the middle of it, we had a we had an inflation report. Anyway, what happened? Yes. I, I just want to throw in, just slow down because it's having trouble differentiating words it's trying to be okay. smart and clip your words up so just just to put this in perspective for all of you out there when we say good news bad news if you and a lot of other people were to lose your jobs in the coming week there would be rejoicing on wall street uh, that's the backwardsness of the world at the moment because wall street actually wants us to please the fed and slow down our economic growth and we're not doing it yet. So back to you, sir. We're doing a very we're doing a very poor job of that. We're being um, we're doing a very poor job of being poor. So what the end result was, and and considering that the news that came out was seen by Wall Street as bad news, and if you read the headlines of the financial media this week, you would have thought the world was coming to an end. The S and P five hundred ended at four thousand seventy nine point zero nine, down zero point two five percent. So a, cat a catastrophe occurred of good news. Uh, great fear was expressed that the Federal Reserve was going to have to crush the economy to dampen inflation. We had inflation come in for the month of January. We'll talk about that. Much higher than anybody expected for the month. Not for the year, but for the month. 
And the S&P 500 fell a quarter of a percent, a quarter of one percent, Yes, uh, which is the way things have been going. It is a tempest but, in a teapot. It is uh, much ado about nothing. And let me see how many other Shakespearean quotes I can throw in here. Go ahead. The, the, the important thing for investors, it's still up. The S&P 500 is still up 6.24% this year. Hold it further away. Yeah. You're, you're okay. good. There you go. It's up about 14% since mid-October, 82% higher than it was in March of 2020, and up about 23% over the last three years, which is a, about a 7.5% per year rise in the S&P 500. In other words, looking back three years to just before the pandemic, had you looked at the S&P 500 at that point and looked at it today, it looks like we've had smooth average growth in the stock market over the last three years uh and nothing's happened no pandemic no recession we're just cruising along very very nicely which is one of those perspectives i think it's very important that is down 15 percent from the beginning of 2022 but that's all right now our other indicator the well, that, crs that, that's all right it just depends on who you ask if that's all well, right or not so go go ahead let me tell you what that tells me that 15% down. That means at the beginning of 2022, the S&P 500 was probably overpriced about 15% and it corrected. That's called a correction, folks. And what he was saying is that at this point, looking back, we have a correction be above a 10% decline for a correction below a 20% decline and a bear market's above a 20% decline. So you're saying at this point that we are corrected rather than in bear, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where we are. The CRSP mid cap value index into the week at twenty four eighty six point four six, up point one one percent for the week. The important thing for me is that it was up when the S and P five hundred was down. Not much, but neither one of them were off by much. It's up six point two eight percent year to date, and fourteen over fourteen percent from mid October. It is still down just over four percent from its high last year. And then we move on into bonds. Now that's where things get interesting. And I think there's a big story here uh, that deserves a lot of attention. The 10-year Treasury note, the benchmark for the bond market, ended the week at 3.82%, a couple of percent in, in relative speaking, relatively speaking, higher than it was last Friday, but about the same level it's been since last September. The Treasury yield curve became more inverted, which since we had a treasury yield curve that was about as inverted as anybody has seen in my lifetime, that it got more inverted certainly was interesting. The one-year treasury note, it is a note at one year, I think, isn't it? It um, becomes a bill less than one year. Uh, I think it's less than one year. Bill yeah, and then no, it's one year is a note. Uh, it is now yielding a full 5%. So if you loan money to the government for one year by uh, buying... A note, a note starts at two years. Okay, so it's still a bill. It's a one-year bill. Um, it's yielding 5%. The government will pay you 5% to loan it money for one year if you buy a one-year treasury security. At the other end of the maturity curve, the 30-year U.S. Treasury. Now, if you loan money to the government for 30 years, they will pay you 3.88% per year, which many people think that's not bad, but you're taking a tremendous amount of what's called interest rate risk and inflation risk. If inflation runs 3%, for example, for three, if, if inflation runs 3%, you pay taxes, you don't actually get anything for loaning the government money for 30 years. But 
if you've loaned government money for one year, they'll pay you 5%, which is pretty darn good in light of everything. Anyway, um, what the treasury bond market, is it shifted, and I won't go into the great detail on that, but the treasury bond market is now seeming to say that longer term, interest rates are going to be running around 4% rather than the 1% and 2% we saw over the last decade or so. That is significant. That is really profoundly significant because it also says, infers that people, the people that are in, that make the market, the people who put a lot of money in and do a lot of trading in the, in the treasury bond market are in essence saying that they expect inflation to run something around 3% or a little below over the next several decades. They expect interest rates to be, that the Fed to run interest rates about a percent above that, which is 4%. Now, that sounds very strange if you have been following the economy for the last several years. It doesn't sound at all strange when we look back over the last four decades. That has pretty much been the average. Inflation has run around 3% per year on average for the last 40-some years. And I know the Fed would like it at two. And the Fed then runs interest rates a little higher than inflation because they don't run the rates. So if you want to buy a bond from the uh, from the treasury, you want a little more money coming in that inflation is going to eat up. If for no other reason, you're probably going to have to pay taxes on it at some point. And if you pay taxes on it, a 4% return in a 3% environment means you're just about broke even, which is all you can expect from a treasury security because the purpose in buying a treasury security is not to make money. It's to avoid losing money. And then there's a lot of people that say, well, look at the interest rates. They're going up so high. We're going to make money on this. No, when you calculate inflation, this is true with anything. And we tend to call them risk-free in the economic world. It's risk-free. There's no such thing as risk-free, just as a side note. Uh, just because it's FDIC insured does not prevent uh, a massive meteor blast from wiping out the United States. It's, it, there's no such thing as risk-free. It's just... In our financial system, all things being equal, it's risk-free, uh, apart from extraneous events like uh, the um, the heat death of the sun or, you know, things like that. These are, these are risks. Well, so risk-free is a very loose term. But if you're in a risk-free position, you shouldn't make a big return. You're not taking any risk with it. It's made to be safe. That's why it's risk-free. And therefore, when people say, I'm making a lot of money in government bonds, I kind of go, well, check your inflation numbers because probably not. Okay, back to you. Well, it's a new environment is coming in the bond market. And the interesting thing about the consensus is I've been watching it for a year is the consensus in the bond market among people who put large amounts of money into U.S. treasuries for longer periods of time is that interest rates are going to be higher in the future than they have been in the past. And that consensus has been inching its way higher and higher and higher, which I think is ironic. Because the chairman of the Federal Reserve has said over and over again, warned us that interest rates are probably going to be higher, longer than you expect. And, and, and they're, finally the doubling, is getting there. they're doubling down on that right now. They're giving lots of press releases, more than they usually do. Each governor is going out and saying, hey, we're going to do this. So Brainerd's been saying it. Barkin's been saying it. Powell, basically go down all the governors. They're all out there saying we're going to raise interest rates. There's two headlines in the front page of the Wall Street Journal today. Fed's Barkin supports measured pace of interest rate increases. 
And inflation report keeps Fed on track to continue rate increases. I think they're trying to get across to the people that that think we're already Goldilocks that the inflation numbers still have to be knocked down because, and let me me kind of take a deep breath here a second. Those of you that have been listening to us for any length of time, and for most of you, that is five seconds because you turn to the channel and suddenly they're talking econ babble. Oh, this is too long, and then changes it. Those of you that have been listening to longer than that long amount of time over the last several months have heard us talk about peak inflation seems to be behind us, uh, and we're looking at all, all of the numbers and saying we're moderating inflation. Then we had this January blip a big one where it jumps up and we have big inflation month to month. It's not in the headlines because the headlines are looking at yearly stuff and the yearly stuff looks like 6.4% looks better than 9%. This looks great. We're a little worried about from the January number was a big uptick in inflation. So what's going on there? The economy is still growing. People are still getting hired and still getting wage increases. Uh, the, this is something that is just the reality of the world right now. And when that happens, you know, looking at other front page headlines across the financial world of people needing to be hired and uh, retail manufacturers of foods, food goods are begging people to come to work. And it's a slow, it's a quick training process usually. And the number of open job positions are about double the uh, amount of people looking for jobs. This, these are all things that say the economy is still in full speed growth while the leading economic indicators have been down for eight months. A couple of things. Uh, we didn't quite finish the market thing. The, the Treasury bond market is telling us one thing. The interesting, the West Texas Intermediate Oil dropped about 4.4 percent. The um, the price of oil has been it's it's around seventy six thirty three, and we follow this up and down. And a four percent up and down sounds like a lot. It does sound like a lot. Um, but the other thing is, oil has been bobbing up and down around a pretty constant price since last November. The uh, Treasury ten year yield, which again is the benchmark for everything else, has been hovering around pretty much the same number for several months now. In other words. What I see in this is not the panicked comments of the pundits. What I see is that things are stabilizing. Interest rates are stabilizing at a significantly like twice the rates we saw over the last decade. Maybe go a little higher um, than that. And if if the 10-year is giving us a true indication of what's going on, and I tend to think it is at this point, you will see longer-term interest rates rising, shorter-term interest rates falling a little bit, uh, and a general curve return to the bond market over the next year or two, but it will be significantly higher interest rates than we see today. That is Why is that important? Well, if you're waiting around for mortgage rates to come back down, you may have a really, really really, really long wait. If you're waiting around, if you think, okay, I'm going to buy a bunch of bonds because interest rates are going to go down. I'm not going to forecast interest rates. I'm going to tell you some probabilities though. The probability is interest rates, and, and this is a direct quote, interest rates will be higher longer than you expect. Somebody said that recently. I don't remember who somebody named Powell and, uh, as you're planning into the future, that has some deep meanings. If, 
many, much, 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 much money has poured into bond funds this year. I hate to say this, but if interest rates continue to go up and they continue to rise long term to, and, and basically the, with the Federal Reserve shedding the short term base setting, not shedding, uh, the short term base, and they continue to rise. The people who are buying a lot of bonds may be in for some serious disappointment uh, because as interest rates go up, the value of bonds on the secondary market goes down. And yeah, if you buy a 30-year bond or a 20-year bond or something and you hold it to maturity, you will get the same number of dollars back that you put in. However, if inflation runs 2 to 3%, as it has historically over the next 20 to 30 years, if you can't figure out how much you're going to lose, you probably shouldn't be buying those long-term bonds to begin with. But inflation is going to eat a couple of to 2 to 3%. Taxes are going to be charged on that interest that you got that just compensated you for inflation. And so my guess right now is the 30-year bond that's running out there just over 3% probably will have a 0% return to maturity in 30 years, which is perfectly in line with economic theory. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, we only have about three minutes left. So do you want to do a wrap-up for the day? We, we, haven't, we haven't done a wrap-up in a while. Well, we've had a market that's basically moving sideways in a very bumpy fashion. We have an economy that is going in some direction. We don't know what because we're having, we're seeing very, very conflicting signals as to whether we're going to have a recession, a soft landing, or quite possibly a boom ahead. And we're getting signals at all three, any of those three, all of the three. It'd be interesting if we had all three at the same time. I don't think we've ever had that, but it would be consistent with the craziness we've seen over the last several months. And that's kind of the bottom line to it is the economy is growing along very nicely. All the indicators are it shouldn't be, but it is anyway. And interest rates are going higher and yeah. likely to stay higher. Yeah, so we're in an odd time where business is still growing. People are still getting raises at the same time that structurally people are looking, uh, the, the people that look at the economy are going, whoa, we've got worrisome stuff on the horizon. And we also have the potential of growing out of this without a recession. So when I'm talking to small business owners, they're doing a lot better this year than they were even a year ago. When I talk to people that are executives at tech companies, uh, not so much. So this is just like what we've been talking about for several years. The economy is not even. There are some people doing better and some people doing worse. During the pandemic, this was very true. It's just a different groups, different groups of people now. So there's imbalances and weird disequil disequilibriums. There's a good economics term for you for the day. Uh, Any way you look at it, though, we're out of time. Thank you very much for listening to our mumblings and ramblings about silly things that on the surface are truly silly, but long-term kind of are the hinges for our entire economy to turn on. Um, if you'd like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give personalized investment advice and portfolio management to people of high net worth. Um, the numbers to call locally with voicemail during the weekend, but real live people and no phone tree during the week is? 254-947-1111. Or you can reach that same line toll free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. Should you still have a landline? You can go to our webpage, The Personal Wealth Coach, or tpwc.com, where you can see our made-for-radio faces 
explore our wonderful staff. You can read our newsletters, uh, which come out every Friday. Sign up for the newsletter, or you can uh, listen to our radio program. You can listen to podcasts. You can find podcasts wherever they're found. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach. We did it.